Hello, friends. Welcome to Trivia Over Tea, the quiz show podcast where we drink tea and play trivia. I'm your host, Matthew Cook, and today is a very, very special episode. So normally we record the podcast over Zoom, but today there is no Wi-Fi required, and that is because we are all in person, live, in the flesh, in my parents' basement in Virginia, uh, including our scorekeeper, Carter Zanke. Carter, how are you today? I'm just happy to be here in the studio to have my voice recorded in HD. Oh, yes, on these fancy, not-so-expensive microphones. Um, so let's meet our contestants who have so graciously driven over to my parents' house today. Um, you'll recognize them, perhaps, from past episodes. First, we have Lucas. Nice to be here, Matthew. I've been uh, prepping since my last defeat, and uh, as we discussed pre-show, I have the revenge narrative on my side. And I'm happy to be here in person because it adds a certain, you know, intimidation element just staring down <laughs> your phone the entire time. And uh, I assume we're playing for that penny that's on the table over there. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the prize. One, one penny. Um, and it's a heads up penny as well. Yeah, so hopefully good luck will, will befall well, everybody we'll, we at this table. We can move it more neutral to the table. We'll move it question by question. There, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you all, we also have Julia today. Hello, I'm Julia. I'm happy to be defending my championship and to be drinking tea made by Matthew Cook. Yes, we've all we've all have tea uh, that uh, that we made upstairs before we came down, um, so we're all ready to go. Uh, and as with all of our oh, and we also have Mason here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Matthew. It's nice to. Not, not nice to be acknowledged as always. Yeah, Mason will not be competing today, but he may provide um, some insights. Uh, We'll see yeah. as, as, uh, as the show yeah, unfolds. I'm just happy to be here. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for, for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to come down here today. Uh, as of all of our regular episodes, we'll have four rounds of questions today, each with a slightly different format. And so without further ado, Carter will explain the rules for round one. Well, round one is our first general knowledge round where you each get five multiple choice questions. Questions here with 10 points each. So guess the right answer and you'll get those 10 points. Okay, Lucas, you're up first. Are you ready? I am ready as I'll ever be. Okie dokie. Here we go. Question one. An object at rest remains at rest unless acted upon by an outside force is which of the three of Newton's laws of motion? Is it A, the first law, B, the second law, or C, the third law? I'm going to be honest. Uh, you're, you're catching me off guard right out the gate. Excellent. Um, I know the other ones, but I don't know the order. Um I'm going to take a shot here and say that that is the first law. It is the first law. Uh, The second law is about momentum, uh, but I'm not going to try to explain it because I don't really understand it. Uh, And the third law says that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Mason, do you have something to add? Uh, Yeah, I I do have something to add. The second law, more specifically, it's like the equation for momentum. There you go. Okay. That's how you calculate that. Okay, so I was right. It's about momentum. Question two. With what team did Michael Jordan finish his playing career? A, the Chicago Bulls, B, the Washington Wizards, or C, the Charlotte Hornets? Well, let's see. He started on the Bulls, obviously. He won all six rings there uh, with some time in between to play some baseball. And I believe he ended with my Washington Wizards before going on to gamble and whatnot in retirement. 
That is correct. Uh, he played for the Wizards from 2001 to 2003. Uh, sadly, did not bring home any NBA championships uh, to the District of Columbia. Hey, I think he still averaged about 20 a game on the Wizards. So not you know, too bad that, for a washed up he did. Uh, ending spot. He can heal yeah. the sick, but he can't raise the dead. Yeah, and now he just owns the Hornets. And so I, I think he's doing okay for himself. Well, Mason, if you would let me finish. Uh, he never played for the Hornets, but, Hornets, but he is the team's owner. Uh, mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> he was a better player than owner. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're the best player ever. <laughs> high bar. Yeah, high bar. <laughs> Question three. Since late 2022, the MLS expansion bid of what California city has been marked with delays and setbacks after the original ownership group pulled out? A, Sacramento, B, Oakland, or C, San Diego? Let's see. I don't think it's San Diego, but I'm not entirely sure here. Let's say you said Sacramento. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm leaning towards. I'm going to be honest. I haven't heard of the expansion franchise, but I don't think they would put it in San Diego with the two LFC, uh, LA teams nearby. I'm going to guess Sacramento. That is correct. It is Sacramento. Mason, you wrote this one. Yeah. So what happened was they, you know, they announced they were going to put a team in Sacramento because it has a really popular team in like the, the next tier down, mm-hmm. you know, Sacramento Republic FC. However, the... Right after they announced it, the ownership group began fighting amongst each other, and one of them pulled out, and thus the whole thing basically collapsed in on itself. You know, the MLS has been pretty much spending the last year trying to piece together a new ownership group, but nothing has happened. So, yeah, it's been chaos, because they have a stadium, they have, you know, a fan base and and everything, but they just don't have ownership. Mm, Interesting. There you go. And one other bit that made me know that it was not San Diego is I know that they're actually famous for, or infamous for not attracting things like that. Like they have a bad airport and bad city management when it comes to things like that. So that's why they only have one sport and all the rest. So there you go. Do better, San Diego. No. Just kidding. I love San Diego. It's me too. Really, really nice. Yeah. At some point, the Padres will move, though. Well, hopefully, they'll have nothing. They've <laughs> <laughs> already lost the Chargers. Anyway, uh, question four. Anthony Yurkovich created what popular 80s TV show after learning about asset forfeiture? A, Columbo, B, Hill Street Blues, or C, Miami Vice? This is a shot in the dark. Um, Shoot. Is it Miami Vice? It is Miami Vice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mason, you also wrote this one. Short explanation, please. Yeah. uh, He... He actually, in a lot of the show was inspired by the aforementioned two shows in there. He was a big fan of Hill Street Blues. He wanted to write a crime one and then he heard about acid forfeiture and went, oh i should write a whole show about uh people doing that and so miami vice was born there you go very good and finally question five which of the following presidents served in between grover cleveland's two terms a chester arthur b rutherford b hayes or c benjamin harrison not sure i'm going to guess hayes uh, no, it was Harrison, actually. Uh, he beat Cleveland in the 1888 presidential election, but lost the rematch in 1892. Cleveland mm-hmm. is the only president to serve non-consecutive terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Har- Harrison is kind of a weird one because he was known as the iceberg in a lot of social situations, you know, because he wasn't super charismatic. But also, he's notable because he admitted more states to the country than any other president. I believe he admitted seven or eight of them. Oh. Yeah, he did... Uh, Basically, all of the mountain and, and plain states, he admitted all of those. Not cool. too bad for an iceberg. 
Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Particularly <laughs> one that was only in office for four years. Julia, you're up. Yep. Are you ready? Y- yes. Here we go. Uh, question one. The term glossus means relating or pertaining to what muscular organ? A, the tongue, B, the heart, or C, the stomach? Glossus or glossus? Glossus, G-L-O-S-S-U-S. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. Uh, the stomach. No, this is the tongue. Well, uh, the, the tongue contains many muscles like the genioglossus, hyoglossus, and styloglossus among Others. Many glosses. Many gloss. Many gloss sides. Glosses. Glosses. Question two: Which of the following is the official state nickname of Maryland? A. The Old Dominion. B. The Old Line State. Or C. The Oriole State. Oh my gosh. Well, it, is it on the license plate? No. I feel like it must. Not I don't be. believe that. Yeah. It is. No. I believe it was on an older version of the license plate. Oh no. I feel like it's A. <laughs> uh, Lucas is shaking his head, and, and Lucas is correct. It's not A. Uh, a is actually um, Virginia's nickname, the Old Dominion. What? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Wait, nickname is not the state motto? I thought, like, Virginia is for lovers. That's not the nickname. That's the that's a motto. That, okay, that's well. also not the state motto. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's one of the... <laughs> It's one of the, like, sub-mottos, I feel like. So there's just things you say about a state, and then it becomes a nickname? What if I just called Maryland as the Dominion? That well, is the nickname. but that'd be wrong. Um, it's actually the old line state. Are you saying lion? Line. L-I-N-E. Line state. Okay. Like, line up. Um, it refers to the Maryland 400, a group of the 1st Maryland Regiment, whose actions during the Battle of Long Island allowed George Washington to successfully evacuate most of his troops back to Manhattan. The Old Dominion is Virginia's nickname, as I said, and the Baltimore Oriole is the Maryland state bird. Yeah. It also, you know, has some reference to the Mason-Dixon line, which oh. is the northern border of Maryland. You know, the, all, the northern and eastern border, too, of Maryland, because it was used to separate Delaware out from it in a border dispute with Pennsylvania. There you uh, go. Very notably. Yeah, also, to be clear, the Virginia state motto is Semper, Six Semper Tyrannus, Vir- Which is on the flag. Yeah, the Virginia's for Lovers, that was a travel slogan made by the um, tourism department of the Virginia government. Mm. There you go. Cool. Question three. On February 9th, 1825, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to elect whom as President of the United States? A, John Quincy Adams, B, Andrew Jackson, or C, Martin Van Buren? Oh, my gosh. 1825. So that's probably like, I don't even know, 15th? No. 10th president? Or no. Less. Okay. The first one, I don't think it's Quincy Adams, because I feel like he was earlier, perhaps. The other two were, I mean, I might just be wrong. The other two were Buchanan and the other no, one? The, no, no, no. no Quin- Quincy Adams. Quincy Adams. Jackson. Okay. Van Buren. I'll guess Jackson. It was actually Quincy Adams. Yeah. Um, the son of John Adams. Yeah. Found it, who was the second president. Quincy Adams was the sixth president. Okay. Um, Jackson ends up being seventh and Van Buren eight. In the general election in November 1824, Jackson won the popular vote and a plurality, though not a majority, of the electoral votes. Therefore, the election was decided by the House. Jackson called Adams's election a, quote, corrupt bargain and quickly rallied his supporters to start looking toward the election of 1828. 
Jackson demolished Adams in the rematch that year and took office in 1829. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Cool. Question four. Most of the population of Caddo Parish, hope I'm saying that correctly, resides in what third most populous city in Louisiana? A, Bossier, B, Shreveport, or C, Lake Charles? Of course, the third most populous city in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll yes. be shocked to learn that Mason wrote this question. Oh, wow. Amazing. Wonderful. I'm just thinking of multiple choice knowledge answering, but I don't really have, I'm not very good at multiple choice anyways. I'll just guess B. That is correct. It is Shreveport. Wonderful. Yeah. Mason, do you want to say something about this? <laughs> well, oh yeah, I believe, I believe Matthew's pronunciation is correct of that. Uh, Bossier is the city directly across the river from Shreveport, uh, up in the Red River. Yeah, notably, Shreveport's kind of far away from much of the main population of Louisiana, because most of it resides in, like, the southeastern part of the state, around, like, the delta of the Mississippi, so New Orleans and up to Baton Rouge, where Shreveport is all the way in the northwest corner across the Red River from Bossier. Mm. There you go. And finally, question five. How many goals were scored in the highest-scoring NHL game in history? A, 15, B, 18, or C, 21? By by the entire team? By both, just both teams combined. Oh, both, both teams, teams combined. combined. Sorry, I should have clarified that. Uh, I'll guess 21. That's correct. The Edmonton Oilers defeated the Chicago Blackhawks 12-9 to on December 11th, 1985. Um, and uh, we're recording this actually on January 1st, 2023. And yesterday, the uh, Washington Capitals beat the uh, Montreal Canadiens 9-2, to uh, almost put up a 10 spot, um, yeah. which was very exciting. Yeah, um, though not anywhere close to the 21-goal affair from 1985. Hmm. Yeah, notably, the Canadians previously in the prior game had lost 7-2 to against the Florida Panthers. I believe uh, it w- that was like a day or two before the Capitals game. So they lost their last two games by a combined score of 16 to 4, which closer is... to 21. Yeah, almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rough rough stretch for the Canadians. That's the end of round 1. Uh so Carter, can you please uh give us a score update? Looks like we have Lucas with an early lead at 40 points and Julia at 20. <laughs> Alrighty, and now it is time for round two. So, Carter, can you please tell us the rules? Round two will consist of five open-ended questions. They'll be on the same topic for each contestant. Questions here are worth 20 points each. If you get one wrong, your opponent can answer for 10 points. Very good. Alrighty, so um, uh, the topic that I have for today's round two uh, is works that entered the public domain on January 1st, 2023, which I mentioned is the date that we are recording this podcast, although it will be released on the typical Wednesday schedule, so Wednesday, January 4th. Um, And in the United States, the general rule of thumb is that a work enters the public domain 95 years after it is published. And so these are going to be works, uh, these are going to be questions about works that were published in the year 1927. So, Lucas, are you ready for your five questions? Yeah, bring it on. Okay, here we go. Question one. The last two short stories in the canon of Sherlock Holmes were published in 1927 by what author? Oh, man. I told you it'd be stuff that you've at least heard of. I know. Yeah, I was... 
I was actually thinking of Sherlock Holmes Whoa. before this. Uh, just just because of, of the timing? Um, no, just thinking of things that could enter movies, books, yeah. things like that. But uh, the author is unfortunately eluding me. Uh, no, not Virginia something. No. All right, I give up. Okay, Julia, do you know? No, okay. no. Arthur Conan Doyle was oh, his name. Yeah. Uh, Heard the, of it. That's yeah. a famous guy. Yep. <laughs> the canon consists of 56 short stories and four novels. The last two short stories that were published in 1927 are The Adventure of the Veiled Lodger and The Adventure of um, Shoscombe Old Place. Yeah. Yes. That's my favorite one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> mine too. Yeah, true. Mine too. Um Mason, did you have something to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very briefly. Uh, this is actually—it's actually very interesting that it's entering because Arthur Conan Doyle's estate is quite infamous for uh, being very stingy with their copyrights back when they weren't public domain. There are multiple instances where the character Herlock Sholmes has appeared mm. in uh, various forms of media. He's uh, my second favorite director, yeah, no, detective. Most, yeah, no. Uh, most infamously, there was a whole lawsuit between them and uh, Capcom in Japan because they uh, tried to localize one of their games in the Ace Attorney series that had a character named Sherlock Holmes, and thus Herlock Holmes had to make a emergency appearance in the international <laughs> releases of the game. Very good. Question two. What 1927 silent film starring Clara Bow is not to be confused with the Stephen King novel of the same name that features Pennywise, the dancing clown? Oh, I've seen the It movies, so it's It. That is correct. Is It It? It is It. It is It. It is It. Yes, It. Unlike the Stephen King book, It is not a horror film. Uh, the film was made as a star vehicle for Clara Bow, and it was here that the phrase It Girl was popularized. So there you go. Question three. The 1927 film London After Midnight was lost in a 1965 fire affecting the vault of what film studio whose mascot is a lion? Oh. Mm. I want to say Liongate, but... Um, no. I assume it wouldn't have the word in it. Oh, no. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, is Liongate even a... No. Oh, man. Um, that's it's not Paramount. It's not. Uh... Does it get multiple guesses? Oh, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like you guessed. <laughs> Lion Gate. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not Lion Gate. Uh, Julia? I was, thinking of, I was thinking of Paramount or 20th Century Fox or something. Okay. Um, but I guess neither of those. those but I would, I would have guessed Paramount. Okay, well, none of those are yeah, correct. Uh, MGM, Metro oh, Goldwyn Mayer. Really? The one, yeah, the one where the lion roars. Yeah. Yeah. You can and, envision and that, it. That lion's on like the MGM casinos and stuff, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, man. that's the, the same family. Yes. Yeah, wow. that's that's it. Uh, the only known copies of hundreds of films, including London After Midnight, were destroyed in the August tenth, nineteen sixty-five fire. MGM. Yeah. Question four. What 1927 movie starring Al Jolson was the first feature talkie film? Talkie film. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a musical. Not it's a musical movie. film, I should say. It was never like a Broadway musical or anything. But, you know, I was just on, you know, 20, 19, 1928 movies. So I was a year off on probably what I should have been studying. 
I have no clue. Okay. Uh, Julia, do you know? Could I ask, a talkie is when there's actual people, it's not an animation. Um, a, a talkie means that it's a sound film. Okay, is it Steamboat Will? No, there's no sound in that. In Steamboat Willie. Well, I there, just... well there's, sound in, in, there's sound in that, but it's a there's, cartoon. Yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, that's Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah. No, it's, is that your guess? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, my okay, guess. Yeah, it's not that. Um, have we heard of it? Uh, you, you may have. Mason, do you know what it is? Uh, is it Hello, Dolly? No. No. Carter, do you know? No idea. Do you know, Dad? Is it the entertainer? No, my my dad is standing in the background. Um, no, this <laughs> is the jazz singer. Oh, have you heard of that? Oh, yeah, heard of Al nope. Jolson. I have yeah. not. I've heard of that. Yeah, the uh, musical films release. The musical films release basically marked the end of the silent film era. Oh, okay. Yeah. And finally, question five: the 1927 novel *To the Lighthouse* is perhaps the best-known book by what English writer who was a pioneer in the use of stream of consciousness as a narrative device? And this was in 1927? 1927. Hmm. English author. Not Shakespeare. I'm going to assume that's not your guess. No, it's not. But I don't have a better one. Okay. Julia, do you know? Uh, No. Oh, my gosh. I feel like you you ask a question and then all of the authors fly out of your mind. Of course. Of course. Um, I, 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 I have no answer. Okay. Uh, you actually started to say this author's name earlier. It's Virginia Woolf. Virginia Ooh. Woolf. Yeah. Ooh. Um, the novel yeah. follows the Ramsey family on their visits to the Isle of Skye in the 19-teens. What's the name of the novel? To the Lighthouse. Oh, To the Lighthouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Julia, are you ready for your five questions? Yep. Okay. Question one. The short story collection Men Without Women was published in 1927 by what American author of such novels as A Farewell to Arms and The Old Man and the Sea? I don't I don't know. No. Lucas, do you know? Nope. Ernest Hemingway. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. That's a guy. <laughs> it was your second choice, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yep. uh, some of Hemingway's best known uh, short stories, including The Killers, Hills Like White Elephants, and In Another Country are included in this collection that I had never heard of. Mason, do you have anything that you'd like yeah, to add? No, I, I just want to point out that our, our mother her dearly loves the work of early Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, she's not a fan of The Old Man in the Sea. Um, but that's beside the point. Anyway, Julia, here we go. Question two. In 1927, A.A. A. Milne published Now We Are Six, a book of children's verses that includes characters such as what anthropomorphic bear? Anthropomorphic bear. I'm only thinking of Brother Bear, but that was many, many years later. And an- my, my, that's my guess. Okay, no, Lucas. Is this Paddington? No, it's it's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Overthinking it. Yeah. Overthinking it. One hundred. Yeah, it is in fact Winnie the Pooh. Milne first uh, included illustrations oh by E. H. Shepard of Winnie the Pooh in his um, 1927 book of poetry called, uh, I'm sorry, 1924 book of poetry called When We Are When We Were Very Young, and in 1926 he published the children's book Winnie the Pooh, which entered the public domain in La- 2022. Last year, yeah. Yeah, and we were actually discussing this before the show this afternoon. <laughs> you are actually being pretty kind with these questions. More Thank so. you. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, I, I thought they were I thought they were gettable. They are, yeah. yeah, they are. <laughs> Thank you. Question three. I think this is actually the most difficult of them, but it's still gettable. What 1927 novel by German-Swiss author Hermann Hesse 
Hesse, sorry, takes its name from the eponymous canine and also was the inspiration for the name of a 1960s rock band. My dad appears to know the answer. Isn't that a good question, Dad? It's a great question. Thank uh, you. Are you eponymous? Eponymous. So the canine of the same name. Okay. A 1960s rock band. Yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Cook. <laughs> Nothing. Greyhound. No. Lucas? No, it's the name of, of it, and I can picture the uh, cover, mm -hmm. uh, and it's on the tip of my tongue, oh, and, and I'm going to slap myself when you say it. But, yeah. yeah I give up. Mason, do you know what it is? I'm very much in Lucas's boat where I can see it, but I just cannot put a name to it. Dad, what, um, what songs did this band? Born do? to be Wild. Born to be Wild, yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Dad, just say it. Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf oh. is the answer. Yeah. It is named for the Steppe Wolf, uh, which is found in the Caucasus, among many other places in um, Eastern Europe. I've never heard of that band. I've okay. heard of the song, though. Yeah. Good song. Yeah. Good question, I think. Written Good by question. Me. Um, the, uh, it was the only way that I could, uh, could uh, spin that, that one. Uh, the novel's protagonist is Harry Holler, who struggles with feeling, uh, with, who struggles with feeling out of place in the world. There you go. Question four. What 1927 musical by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein II about a ship sailing down the Mississippi River is considered by many to be the first modern musical? Oh my God. Is this a musical with Sutton Foster in it? Oh, you can't answer any questions, can you? But. I don't know if she was. Mason, can you look up and see if she's been in any of the revivals the of this ship. one? Oh, um. Oh my gosh. Is it. The Wash This Man Right Out of My Hair musical? No, it's no. not that one. 1927. Oh, you even gave me a musical question. You're, I did. You're kind, but... A 1927 musical about a boat sailing down the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, South Pacific, but it's not, it's uh, not yeah. at all. It's not at all. No, it's but, not South Pacific. Yeah, it's not at all. Lucas, do you know? If Julia can't get this... I know, I know. Steamboat <laughs> Willie. Um... No, uh, you're, I suppose, more on the right track. Um, it's Showboat. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. Even... Yes, Showboat. Ma uh, Mason, do you Foster have something be... to add? Yeah, I was going to say Sutton Foster has never appeared in a production of Showboat, to my knowledge, or to anyone's knowledge. What's the name of the musical that she was in on a boat? Anything Goes. Was anything Goes. Go, anything yeah. Goes. I believe she yeah. was yeah. indeed. Yeah, she was, yeah. Yeah. She anything, anything Goes. goes. Yeah. This is Showboat. Uh, the show is uh, different from the typical whimsical operettas and musical comedies that were popular at the time because its plot was far more developed and included serious themes like racial prejudice and tragic love. Songs from the show include Old Man River, Make Believe, and Can't Help Lovin' That Man. So there you go. And finally, question five. The Tower Treasure, The House on the Cliff, and The Secret of the Old Mill are the th first three installments in what series about sleuthing brothers written under the pseudonym Franklin W. Dixon. So what are the names of the brothers? Yeah, what's the, yes. The what, Hardy Boys? That's correct. Yay. Um, a variety of people have written the Hardy Boys mysteries under the name Franklin W. Dixon. Leslie McFarlane wrote the aforementioned books as well as 17 others in the series. Um, and it's uh, Frank and Joe, I believe, are the names of the brothers. That they is correct. Are. I wrote a, I, I didn't write any of them. I read a bunch <laughs> of them. Uh, you yeah. wrote a bunch of them. I wrote really them. Yeah. took off. Yeah, you know, I was, I'm actually Leslie McFarlane. Um, 
anyway, I'm now old enough to be Leslie McFarlane. Uh, but Not with that attitude. That's beside the point. Anyway, that's the end of round two. So, Carter, can you please give us a score update? Well, we have both contestants getting one question correct. So we have yeah. Lucas at 60 and Julia at 40. Nice and balanced. The nice penny's staying where it is then. <laughs> yeah. Sure is. Slightly towards Lucas. <laughs> Alrighty, now it is time for round three. So, Carter, can you please tell us the rules? Well, round three will be a lot like round two, but this time you get five questions on different topics. Questions here worth 30 points. If you get one wrong, your opponent can answer for 15 points. Very good. Alrighty, Lucas, are you ready? Yes, sir. Here we go. Question one. What interstate highway's northern terminus is at I-95 in Petersburg, Virginia, and goes through the Research Triangle area, Charlotte, and Atlanta on its way to its southern terminus at I-65 in Montgomery, Alabama? So it ends, you said it ends in Petersburg, Virginia? Yes, at 95. Would this be 85? It would be Interstate 85. It runs 666 miles in total. Question two. The first Men's World Cup was played in what South American country? Mm, that's between a couple. I'm going to guess Uruguay. That is correct. Um, Uruguay's team also won that World Cup. Uh, Chile, Argentina, and Brazil have also hosted the World Cup in South America. Brazil's second time as host was in 2014. Mason, you have something you'd like to add? Yeah, that uh, Uruguay is also one of the few people to win back-to-back World Cups as they won the World Cup the next time around as well. There you go. Good for them. Question three. The International Court of Justice and the International Criminal Court are both located in what Dutch city? Den Haag, The Hague. That is correct. Uh, It is also home to other organizations like the European Library, Europol, and the International Commission on Missing Persons, Mason. Yeah, uh, it was also the capital of the Netherlands before Napoleon came and moved everything to Amsterdam. Oh, did not know that. Very cool. Uh, Question four. What legendary quarterback is the only player to be inducted into both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Arena Football Hall of Fame. Oh, arena football. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the newer one because I can't see arena football. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the history of arena football, but it can't be as long as the normal league. I'm going to guess. No, not. Is it Troy Aikman? Uh, no, Julia. Any idea? Uh, I don't even know what the arena football, whatever it is, is. The only players I can think of, quarterbacks? Quarterbacks. Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And I guess Tom Brady. Okay. Um, it was, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is he still playing? No, no. he's retired. Oh, okay. No, he's a Kurt broadcaster. Warner. Uh, was undrafted, so he played eight seasons for the Indoor Football League's Iowa Barnstormers, where he actually put up some great numbers and won an Indoor Football League championship. The St. Louis Rams saw him play really well. They signed him in 1999, then Trent Green got injured in the preseason. He came, started the season, won the Super Bowl that year, went to it again, but then lost to the Patriots, and yeah, went to have a Hall of Fame career in the NFL. How old was he then uh, when he entered the league? Then if he did eight seasons in the arena football before he got to the league? He was like 28 when he entered. Did not know that. Like, he was very old for a rookie at the time. Right. But uh, yeah, he's 
really the only person in there that's on their merits of both being outdoor football and indoor football. Thought I would have heard that on a broadcast at some point. but Yeah. yeah. Fun fact. Thank you, Mason, for that question. And finally, question five. Who was the last general to become president of the United States? Was it Eisenhower? That's correct. Dwight Eisenhower. He was Supreme Commander of Allied Forces in Europe in World War II and held the five-star rank of General of the Army. He was elected in the 1952 presidential election and re-elected in 1956. All righty, Julia. Are you ready for your five questions? Yeah, I'm going to try to follow that up. Okay. Let's go. Question one. What 2,151-mile-long interstate highway begins at a park-and-ride lot in Baltimore, Maryland? And now is perhaps a good time to mention to our listeners that Julia is a last-second fill-in <laughs> um, for, uh, for this episode today. Um, our our uh, friend Alyssa was supposed to be here. Is she um, from Baltimore? She is, yeah, she lives outside of Baltimore. Um, 2,000 miles yeah. starting in Baltimore. Starting in Baltimore, yeah. You've heard of it because it, it there's, all, there's a lot of traffic on this interstate. It's nine, is it 95? No. Do you know? So it's an even number. I tend to the bottom. I-90 is at the top. I'm going to guess I-70. That's correct. I-70. Um, its western terminus is with I-15 near Cove Fort, Utah. Um, I've been to both termini, actually, of Interstate 70. Um, yeah, the park and ride lot isn't very interesting. Um, but They should uh, really build something better there. Yeah, like a monument or something. That'd be fun. Anyway, question two. <laughs> That'd be fun. What is the center? <laughs> what is the name for the tactile writing system used by people who are visually impaired? Braille. That's correct. It was named for its creator, Louis Braille, who went blind as a child after an accident, and he developed the system based on the French alphabet in 1824 when he was just 15 years old. He, uh, it was inspired by a shorthand system invented by Charles Barbier. Question three. Nebraska is the only state whose state legislature has how many chambers? Has how many chambers? Yes, so, it's the only state that has this many chambers. Okay. So normal, normal, normal state legislature. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's, is it one? It is one. Nebraska is the only unicameral legislature in the country as opposed to bicameral, which means two. Yeah. Uh, Mason wants to say something. Yeah, there was a referendum on this at the beginning of the 20th century, you know, that actually removed the Nebraska House of Representatives. And so the current Unicam, which is what they call in the state, it uh, meets in the Senate. What was the Senate chamber, the Nebraska state capitol? Um, what do they use the House chamber for? Do you know? Not pretty much not not a whole lot. It's mostly just for committee meetings and that sort of thing. Hmm. But uh, yeah, the Unicam meets in. What was the, the Senate chamber? Yeah, and it's also notably the only officially nonpartisan mm. uh, state uh, legislative mm. uh, chamber. I did read that this morning. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Though, of course, it's overwhelmingly Republican uh, in Nebraska. Anyway, question four Evocation, illustration, and enchantment are some of the different wizard schools in what popular tabletop rpg dungeons and dragons that's correct yeah i don't know if there's any other 
I don't know of any other tabletop magic games. I don't. I, magic I the mean, Gathering. I mean, is I that another had, one? Maybe. No, that's that a, a that's a card. That's game. a card oh, game. Okay. In fact, I Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons are made by the same company, Wizards of the Coast. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could have made a Pathfinder question here, but uh. Oh. You know. Good but, thing you didn't. Yeah, but yeah, the <laughs> the way wizard schools work in D and D is that if you're a wizard, there are eight different schools that each give you like different abilities and stuff. Hmm. And like specializations, and so those are just three of the uh, the ones. Mm. Cool, cool. Uh, finally, question five: Frank Sinatra loaned two hundred thousand dollars to what former vice president to help him pay back to help him pay his back taxes? <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Oh gosh. Again, this question was written with my friend Alyssa in mind. Uh, uh, well, Because we always give her a question about this person. Aw. Al Gore. No. Lucas, do you know? I have no clue. Okay. This guy is the only um, vice president to be from the state of Maryland. Yeah. Um, it's our good friend Spiro Agnew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who uh, was a bit of a shady fellow. Uh, Mason, do you have anything that you'd like to yeah, say? Yeah, he, uh, he did a little... Minor, some minor tax evasion and corruption. So uh, he actually, he was Nixon's vice president. He was forced to resign. Uh, even while, before Nixon was, yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, which which is, is why Gerald Ford became yeah. vice president. Yeah, because he was elected uh, with uh, Nixon. And then after Agnew resigned, Nixon had to appoint a new one. So, who was Gerald Ford, who was uh, vice president for less than a year before Nixon himself resigned and Gerald Ford became president yeah ah. remains to this day the only president to have never had to face a uh, a nationwide election and has never won a national election as well yeah because he lost to carter in the yeah, next one that's true yeah um but i always love this fun fact that it was frank that frank sinatra loaned two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to sparrow agnew yeah um so there you go well, that's the end of round uh, two. So, Carter, can you please give us a score update? Looks like we have Lucas at 195. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the end of round three. Did I say two? I don't know. My dad says I said two. I'm sorry. Let's try this again. It's not the end of round three. So, Carter, can you please give us a score update? Looks like we have Lucas at 195 and Julia at 130. Very good. Now it is time for round four. So, Carter, can you please tell us the rules? Round four is our showdown, where we each get the same three questions. Questions here are worth 40 points each, and we'll ask you to write down or otherwise make note of your answers. Okie dokie. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Mason, you don't get a say in this because you're not actually participating. I'm ready to keep score. Thank you, Carter. Okay, here we go. Question one. First coined at a commencement address he gave at the University of Michigan in 1964, what was the term used to describe the domestic programs proposed by President Lyndon Johnson? It's a saying. Um, how would you describe it, Mason? Um, I said term. It. I mean, term is the best. Yeah. You know, kind of a moniker. Yeah. For the whole. Yeah. Okay, I have an answer. Do you have an answer? I'm not going to come up with one. No? Okay, Julia, what is your answer? Desegregation? No. 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 Uh, this is called the Great Society. Uh, oh. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have heard of it. Um, the goals of the Great Society were to eliminate poverty and racial injustice in the United States. Among the most successful things that came out of the program were the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, Medicare, and Medicaid. 
as well, among other things. Mm-hmm. Question two, what ornithologist became the namesake for the title character in a novel series by Ian Fleming? It's somebody you've heard of. Mm, I... Or it's a character you've heard of, I should say. I just can't envision a book by Ian Fleming at this moment. I, I don't even remember that author. Oh. Yeah. Well, you may not you may not be able to pick out a, a specific title. Wait, could you repeat it, actually? Yeah. What's the... What ornithologist became the namesake for the title character in a novel series by Ian Fleming? So you, you may not be able to come up with, like, an individual title from from uh, this series, but you've heard of the main character. So is it, it's a person's name? Yes, it's a person's okay. name. Not a nickname. Not a nickname. Okay. An ornithologist. So that birds. That is birds. I don't, I can't okay. think of it. I just no. am thinking of, okay. I don't know why I just think of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Okay. Hyde, but it's not that. No. That's, like, that's the doctor. Any, anything from you. Out on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a uh, lot of films have been made with this yeah. character in mind. Um, I believe the name is Bond. James, James Bond. Bond. Yes. James Bond. Bond James, is an ornithologist? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Ian Fleming, author of the James Bond series, was an avid bird watcher who was familiar with Bond's book, Birds of the West Indies. Fleming said of the name, quote, It struck me that this brief, unromantic, Anglo-Saxon, and yet very masculine name was just what I needed, and so a second James Bond was born. The real James Bond enjoyed having his name used for 007. <laughs> it is a really great marketable name. Yeah. It is. So there you go. Nice. James Bond. Cool. And finally, question three. This one might be a little easier. From 2016 to 2020, who co-hosted Potluck Dinner Party, uh, the Potluck Dinner Party cooking show with Martha Stewart? <laughs> Looks like we have quick answers from both our contestants on this one. Can I just say mine first then? Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Would that be Snoop Dogg? Julia. Snoop Dogg. That is correct. It is, in fact... Snoop Dogg. The two have a well-known <laughs> friendship that dates back to Snoop Dogg's appearance on the Martha Stewart show back in 2008. We love pop culture questions. Yeah. You know, I, every once in a while I can come up with one. It's not really <laughs> my not really my area of expertise. Um, yeah. Presidential trivia I'm here for all day. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Our first live in-person show. Uh, so Carter, can you please give us the final score? We, at the end of the game, have Lucas at 235 points and Julia at 170. Well, Lucas, congratulations. You have completed your revenge narrative. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything that you would like to say? Um, Just that it was great playing against you again, Julia, and I feel a penny richer. Yes, yeah, you may keep the penny that's in front of you. Uh, Well, uh, that's our show for this week, folks. Thank you, Lucas and Julia, for being on the show today, as well as Carter Zanke for being our scorekeeper and Mason Cook for composing the music and providing commentary. Uh, today's questions were written by Mason Cook and yours truly. And thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to Trivia Over Tea on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review if you enjoyed it. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Trivia Over Tea, as well as our Twitter account, also at Trivia Over Tea. And feel free to message us on any of these platforms if you have any comments or suggestions regarding the show. And tune in in two weeks when we'll have two new contestants and 33 more fantastic questions. Thank you. We will see you in